Hello, and welcome once again to the Oklahoma Atheist Godcast, the digital audio stream in which the members of the AOK are casting gods out, broadcasting our doubt, and casting about for answers to difficult questions. Today on the show, it's the weekly inebriated scriptural exegesis and source study, or wise-ass, in which we'll be going through the Bible book by book. Enjoy! Okay, so tonight we're doing the entire book of Numbers. Wouldn't that be infinitely long? <laughs> you know, some people are skeptical of infinity. Uh, what? What? <laughs> what does that mean, skeptical it's of infinity? If the entire book of Numbers, then it's infinite. Oh, it felt like it at first. It felt like it was just... It's only 35 chapters. What's that, that, that hotel that goes on for infinity, Hilbert's Hotel? That's what it felt like at first. Like, I checked in to Hilbert's Hotel, and it was just going on like the, and on and on. It was like the first six chapters was just counting people. Yeah, I hope some of y'all skimmed that. Yeah, I really didn't read the like, first half of the book. <laughs> the, the Giant sends us. Yeah. I listened to it, but I didn't listen closely. Yeah, I didn't listen very closely. parents' kids either. getting killed. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. I don't remember it really go, It doesn't go into much explanation about it. It just says Strange Fire. <laughs> oh, oh no, we've got to talk about the Strange Fire. Of course. We cannot not talk about the Strange Fire. Yeah, Aaron's two sons, they, they go in and they offer Strange Fire to the Lord. Uh <laughs> And was they're pink or blue or something? Well, who knows? It, it didn't say in what way it was strange. It did say that they had incense. Maybe uh, that was the problem. And there's, I, I read through some of the rabbinical commentaries on this and what they thought it was about. And that, uh, all I can tell you for sure is there is widespread disagreement among the people who claim to be experts in the Bible <laughs> as to what this is about. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are not clear on what is strange about this fire, but you know the point is that it was it was not something the Lord wanted to have happen, so they struck Aaron's sons dead for offering the strange fire, because uh, they were being like idolatrous or something. They like bringing pagan fire to the Lord. Which chapter is this? Nine twenty four. Nine. Okay. Are we, are we going to talk about what we're drinking or? Oh yeah. Uh, hey, what are you guys drinking? I'm disappointing. I have a Coke Zero. Oh, nice. I'm so glad that you said that because I'm drinking the, that Bud Light, the really light light, the 55. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the piss beer. <laughs> so you you actually make me look like an actual drinker. It's fair to you. Coke, Coke Zero, that's not even really Coke. It's not really, uh-uh. If I had some rum, though, I'd put you to shame. You're having real Coke. You're having... You're having fake Coke like I'm having fake beer. Yeah. It's a Sailor Jerry. I just downed my last a couple weeks ago. So. Your last what? Sailor Jerry. I just oh. got. I just downed the last of that. Classy rum. Yes, it is. Very smooth. It's just Bacardi for me. Well, I am drinking Sweetwater Georgia Brown Ale because it is uh, smoother than a Bill Clinton apology, apparently. Wow, that's a good slogan. <laughs> that is great. Nice. That's good stuff. Um... <laughs> I I am drinking the Hoop Ale Works Horny Toad Cerveza. Ooh, nice. that's excellent. Yeah, that's good stuff. Wait, they they bottle their beer now? Uh, yes, indeed. Shit. Well, they don't yeah. bottle it yet. Right now, they're canning it. You can get the Native Amber that's and the Horny Toad. You want me to ship some to you? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is that legal to ship to ship beer from Oklahoma out of Oklahoma? In Probably. Oh. You just can't ship it in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, probably right. Oh, you know, Amber did, when I was on a dig, uh, she uh, shipped me Captain Morgan, but she she hit it somehow. Oh, she she hit it in a Listerine as if it was a, a brown Listerine liquid. 
So, <laughs> so she dumped the Listerine out and put Captain Morgan in there, just just in case. That's that sounds like just like the, the Prohibition era. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I know. That's or possibly awesome. moving to Iran <laughs> for a while. Did you hide it in a boot heel? <laughs> it was good to have though. I wasn't 21 yet, so. You want to hear my theory on? Uh, I'm sorry. Back to the strange fire. Right. Okay. Do you, want, do you want to hear my theory on uh, Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons? Yes. Okay. Here's my, here's my theory. There, there's a whole lot of talk about the divine nose and the sacrifices in Leviticus and how you know it really matters to God whether it's a sweet savor under the Lord, how things smell, and he's all about the sacrifices and how they smell. Right. So Nadab and Abihu, they're offering incense. And these sensors that are, you know, sensors are, are something that you use to burn incense, right? And my take on it is that it wasn't a sweet savor. When it came down to it, their real sin was that they, they picked out a scent that's not high up on, on the Lord's list of favorite scents. Poor choice. Yeah. So it all it, it all comes down to me for to the divine nose. I, I, w- I would agree that it definitely had something to do with the incense as opposed to... Uh... Were they usually doing it with like frankincense and like flour and salt? I guess was what the the usual if you could call those spices. Um, yeah. That it, that it was definitely the difference in sense. However, I'm not sure that I would attribute it so much to the divine nose, so much as uh, <laughs> like the or, or the cult of of the Israelite tradition trying to distinguish itself from other religions of the same region and perhaps like uh, Baal or some other god El. Or, or whatever use incense and it was like no 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 you totally can't do that with this god you you definitely have to do it by the book right i'm not sure if there is an approved incense I, and certainly we haven't come across an approved incense yet unless you count frankincense and then only when it's spicing meat right right yeah so yeah i think you're probably right and i was probably just being silly about the um the no no i i like the divine nose, nose hypothesis it's a, it's a valid theory yeah. If if we were <laughs> if we were making a model of God thus thus far, I would say the nose would be the largest part. Right. Or at least that's what's been mentioned the most. Unless you want to have like a giant fist of doom or something on it. Okay. What do you guys want to talk about in the book of numbers? Because I mean we can skip over all the all the you know, blah blah blah. But we want to talk about this the specific things we want to talk about. I definitely want to talk about Balaam, uh, and uh, the sin of Peor. That's uh, obvious. All right, Paul's we're re- back up. Paul's recording tonight, Chaz. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so you were talking about the sons of. Well, I guess we'll we'll go in order. We don't have to go in order because I don't oh, know okay. if I can. But we'll uh, probably spend the most time on Balaam's donkey. <laughs> right. We just did nine in chapter fifteen. Uh, a, a poor old man gets stoned for picking up sticks on the Sabbath. Oh, that is that was a kind of sucks. <laughs> It's totally rational. I mean, what if, what if they were cold? Like, maybe it was winter or something, and they needed... I don't know. And they didn't know what to do with them at first, because uh, while it had said the Ten Commandments don't break the Sabbath... Right. They weren't quite clear on what the punishment was going to be. Right. So, uh, they, they put them in the dock for a while. They put them in jail or a holding cell or something. And then they talked to God, and God said directly, Oh, yeah, that's death. What you, would you think I was going to say? <laughs> <laughs> Have I meted out any other soft punishments? Yeah, we had a whole chapter dedicated to death. I mean, what else could it be? Well, only soft whenever a man is uh, raping a woman. Then the man gets off pretty easy. 
Yeah. Rape. Well, I don't know if rape's a crime yet. We might get to right. that later. And then. Yes. So that was a that's a pretty good chapter. I always uh. I always think it's interesting how modern Christians, they like to quote the Ten Commandments. They like to post the Ten Commandments at the state courthouse. They, they like to talk about how great the Ten Commandments are, but they don't ever like to talk about the punishments. <laughs> you ask them, well, so what are the punishments for all those commandments? They're like, oh, well, let's not talk about the Book of Numbers because that's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and another thing before we get too much further into it, whenever they're doing the whole census, especially in the beginning, uh, and then they start moving around, there's something like 603,000 people. Like, is that really... That's a lot of people to be migrating. Did you go through and just... count those up yourself? That's impressive. No, actually, at the end of... <laughs> yeah, I was really bored. Um, <laughs> no, I think, actually... Where are my notes? At the end of uh, one of the... At the end of the first chapter, I think actually, it it lists it lists each one by tribe. You know, Reuben forty six five, Simon fifty nine three, and then at, at the end it says, and the number of the total of the Israelites were six hundred three thousand five hundred fifty, uh, which I thought to be quite a large, large number. Especially how many generations after Noah are we? Well, I mean, how that's many generations kind of... after Joseph? Because it was right. Didn't the whole yeah, oh yeah 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 Joseph in Egypt? Right, good point, Jason. Right. So yeah, even even from Joseph, yeah, you're very well. I don't know because that was only like one pharaoh. Yeah. Well, they were in Egypt. Two. They were. There's some. You have some... to bear in mind though that these these people have have a different kind of pronatalist mindset than we have. Like. For example, if I were to raise a village to the ground, it wouldn't occur to me to take all the young women for myself to impregnate them. That's true. But we will see that later on in this book. They did have harems. Yeah. Well, well they're like, wait, 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 you got to keep the virgins. Keep the virgins alive for yourself. Well, that's just being wasteful. Yeah, you don't want to waste virgins. There's like the most precious commodity in the ancient Near East. But of course, all those other women, they, they can't have any more babies, apparently. Well, they'd, they'd have What's sex that? with other men, you know. They'd, they'd already... Defile with themselves. Yeah, somebody had already opened their matrix. <laughs> Matrices. <laughs> but that also goes back to the fact, if there are 600,000 people, why is there no evidence of them in the Sinai? Right. That That's my biggest point as far as... Oh, the, they would leave at least trash. You're making an archaeological right. point. Right. That this, They had to have been settled when this was written. If there was really 603,000 people trekking across the wilderness, like that would be very apparent. That that would have been... I mean, just think of if the livestock and everything that they would be taking with them. Like They would just be cutting a path through the, the yeah, ancient... Yeah, it seems untenable. Right, right. Well, maybe they're really... They're like hikers. They follow that code of, you know, leave nothing but footprints. <laughs> Six hundred and three thousand people. Oh, that guy. Yes, they love the earth. There's always trash pits. There's always trash pits. There's always broken pottery and animal yeah. bones. No, no. They're, they they had the 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 hiker code. They were very <laughs> very green people. The Israelites. And they had so much manna and quail. They would have had huge piles of that. <laughs> well, manna and quail. That stuff is biodegradable. <laughs> Not quail yeah. bones. Would have fossilized. Uh, Satan would have left them. Satan would have. That's a good point about the quail. You'd think that if God rained a whole bunch of quail on people, that the bones would have been left behind. Well, they were supposed to eat it till it came out their nostrils. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that was an interesting bit. He giveth and taketh. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the quail. And That's the what I wanted to talk about too. Yeah. That, was that not um just that not seem like four year old level spiteful like oh you want meat I'll give you meat I'll give you so much meat it'll be coming out your nose and just the level of immaturity and spitefulness there you feel like wow the uh I just think it's weird that he's yeah. like jumping in these trivial things like about eating. Well, I know, well, no, I mean, um, that trivial. I mean, they were complaining. Yeah, exactly. They were complaining, and so all of a sudden he's got to jump in and, and like, oh, you want you want to complain? Here you go. When they were in, enslaved by the Egyptians for forever, and all of a sudden, okay, I'll do some plagues and I'll, I'll show them power and make them want to give you up. You know, it just seems like all of a sudden. He's he's flexing his muscles, and it, it seems vindictive and mean when he could have done something to really help them in the past with this power. And again, before before you uh, come down too hard on the Israelites for complaining, you go live out in the wilderness and eat just power bars for uh, like a week. <laughs> Sounds awful. For just a week, eat nothing but it's power awful. bars. See how see how you like it. See if you know. But we also haven't seen pillars of fire and cloud. It doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> The point it's, is, it's miserable to live out in the wilderness, and especially if you only have one kind of food. That's that's miserable. But but they should have learned by now that their god is kind of a douche. <laughs> right, right. They should have not complained just out of fear. <laughs> that's not, basically the whole point of the New Testament. Not because the obvious response to living in the wilderness on one kind of food is praise, because the obvious response to that is complaining. But they should have known that God is a vengeful bastard by now. I don't know. I thought that was kind of kind of messed up. This going back through these books, I remember all the stories I learned in in a Sunday school that are they teach kids this shit. <laughs> <laughs> they do it that. But they say it with very cheery but... voices, cheerful voices. Well, that makes it okay then. Right. There's the bronze serpent where they complained, so he killed them with snakes. Yeah, I did actually teach that in Sunday school. I taught that <laughs> to fourth graders. I remember learning wow. that. I remember yeah, learning that. I was in like second and third grade at the latest. That that that, that part sounds so yeah. like pagan and magical. Like look look upon the right. idol and it will heal you. I was gonna say, and and I, I was never taught the story of the the bronze serpents. Interestingly enough, really. Right, this was actually the first time I'd read it, and that was my my very first thought was that it was very odd and sort of pagan. Like, yeah. oh, here's here's a, oh yeah, you're having trouble with all these snakes. Here, hold on a minute, let me put up this pole with a snake on it. Yeah, we'll get that, and you'll be okay. <laughs> that was just not, not to mention the fact God didn't God send the snakes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it, I don't know, it just seemed kind of odd to me. And that was that was. Like I said, a, a new story for me. I, I had not encountered it. God's a vengeful dude in this book. Yeah. The, have you ever seen the um, the the medical symbol with the uh, the two snakes wrapped around the pole? Yeah. Isn't that based on this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's where that comes from. But if I look at that, I still die. Right. It hasn't. It's never helped anyone. With like the ambulance pulls up, they look over at the symbol, and suddenly they just get better. It's not how it works. If only it were so easy. Yeah, we'd all have symbols in our wallets. <laughs> Apparently, the serpents were on fire. Yeah. What? They're fiery serpents. Oh, that makes it sound even more pagan and magical. Fiery it, serpents. 
I'm sure that there's some sort of explanation out there that fiery just means venomous or you know something. It also says fiery. What, what in the chapter? IV. What chapter are you in? Uh, Twenty-one verse four. It says fiery serpents in verse six. In twenty-one. In twenty-one six. Uh, yeah, it uses the same language in the NIV also. Interesting. Um, it's okay to look at the NIV as long as you read the King James first. Right. Well, yeah, I just needed the chapter headings. The the word is uh, Strong's H8314, which is seraph, I believe is how it's said. Like uh, seraphim. Yeah, like seraphim. Exactly. That That's actually what I was going to say. The first... Uh, listening here is serpent or fiery serpent or poisonous serpent which i'm sure is probably what uh people try and explain it to be and then the second meaning is actually seraphim which is majestic beings with six wings and you know seraphim uh so interesting interesting uh that that is the same word yeah why was god punishing them with snakes again what was the point of that they complained yeah it was was the same thing it was complaining they complained Oh. They bitched and moaned. They're like, we only get to eat this manna. Mm. They were in the wilderness. From what I hear, that sucks. It sucks! Have you, have you seen pictures of the Sinai? It's pretty bad. Mm. It's worse than Philmont Scout Ranch, which also sucks. <laughs> Try eating pemmican bars for a whole week. See if you don't go nuts. I'm going to play a segment from that uh, seminary lecture. You guys got to hear this. It's good stuff. Some of the thoughts you had as you read... Yeah, obviously it's it's God speaking through the donkey. And that's part of the whole story, isn't it? Why is this donkey in here? Doesn't that kind of cheapen the scriptures? Doesn't that make it, you know, that's what you find in fairy tales. That's stories that children make up. God resorts to using a talking donkey? Come on now. You know? Is that reasonable? <laughs> well, there it is. There it is. We have this uh, this talking uh, this this talking donkey. So that's uh, a professional doctor of theology, Dr. James Van Dyne, uh, and his reaction to the talking donkey. Well, it's in the book. <laughs> it's got to yeah, be Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not childish. Yeah. Did you happen to see that one yet, uh, Paul? No. No, I haven't. That was a fun one. I, I need to do that. And uh, I'm, I've been looking for more resources, more like um, iTunes U kind of resources for Old Testament survey courses. And uh, that one's been kind of fun because it's it's good to get the really naive evangelical view of the Bible because we're in Oklahoma. That's what you want to know, like how people see it. Right. And uh, how they see it is, well, yeah, sure, it, lo- it sounds like a fairy tale, but it's in my book. <laughs> so it's real. <laughs> it's got to be real. I mean, if God wants a donkey to talk, then so be it. <laughs> and later on, Dr. Uh, Van Dyne makes it sound like, you know, it wasn't the donkey talking. It was It was just a message directly from God. But that's not what the donkey said. The, the donkey said, am I not thine ass? Speaking from the donkey's point of view. Right. I get, I get the distinct, uh, whenever I read through it, I, I very much thought that it was the donkey speaking, not the, the Lord. I think it even said that the Lord gave the power of speech to the donkey. Right. Not that the Lord spoke through the donkey, which would be something completely different. Right. Like... It'd be one thing if God just started giving you warnings from the mouth of a donkey. That'd be that'd be creepy. Right. Uh, but as it is, it's only kind of comical. Because, you know, well, actually, at this point, I'm just going to play that those verses because I love them so much. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. 
and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and the ass turned aside out of the way, and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself unto the wall, and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further, and stood in a narrow place, where was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. He's not surprised that his donkey talks to him. Right! Right! <laughs> he just he just, it just flows right into, because you're making a fool out of me. Yeah, right. Not He doesn't just fall off the donkey not in total surprise. Totally the donkey talked to me. Right. I was going to say, it would be awesome if that line was in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. A talking donkey. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the Strong's... Uh, strong's the donkey uh, turned words? to him and said... What's Strong's for holy sh**? Can you look that up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's in there. Okay, so we should mention that we're talking about uh, Balaam, or Balaam. Yeah. Who is a, a major figure and, 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 and figures in all my favorite stories in, in the Book of Numbers. I mean, he's, he's got the talking donkey. Almost the only stories. No, no there's other stories, but um, my favorite stories involve uh, Balaam because he's, he's got this talking donkey, and it's not clear. It is clear that Balaam is an oracle or a prophet of some sort, but it's not clear what kind of prophet he is, what kind of business he's in. Because at some points it sounds like he's saying, well, I, I can only carry messages from the Lord, the, you know, the true God, the Hebrews. But at other points, you know, he sounds like just an, a pagan prophet for hire. And there's, it's not clear, at least it's not clear to me, and I've looked into it, what what kind of prophet this guy is. It, it's almost like Melchizedek in Genesis. Right, this is like mysterious just, prophet uh, from nowhere. Of a, of a god. Right. Uh, and he uh, he's hired to curse the Israelites. He's hired by um, Balak, right? The the king of, was it Midian? Uh, I think that's uh, right. Yeah, or Moab. Balak, oh, yeah, Mobites. Yeah, it's uh, one of those countries they killed multiple times. One of the badites, one of the not not Israelites, the otherites. Uh, he's hired to to curse them, you know, because it is known that Balaam's curses are good curses. He's got good value for money when you hire him to curse someone. He's got a good track record. Yeah, apparently. But in this case, he, he goes, he tries to curse Israel, but he can't. He can only say great things about Israel every time. Uh, every time he lifts up his oracle, he's saying great things about Israel. Um, and of course, Balak kind of wants his money back. He's like, you know, I hired you to curse these guys. And he's like, well, you know, I can only do what God lets me do. Could he even barter for a talking donkey? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, in, in Shrek, you can sell a talking donkey for quite a bit. That's <laughs> something we learned from Shrek. And I think we can compare Balaam to Shrek because, you know, like Shrek, Balaam has to deal with this annoying talking donkey. <laughs> Well, how do we and how do we know it's not the same donkey? They are both fairy tales, right? I mean, good point. And they both sound like Eddie Murphy when I hear them in my mind. <laughs> <laughs>
I think it's fascinating that uh, seminarians and Christians can encounter this story and just be like, oh, well, yeah, it sounds like a fairy tale. They can they can admit that up front, but they're like, well, oh, well, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> but it's in the Bible, so it's true. Well, you know, you've, you've already seen so many crazy things up to this point. If yeah, you're going to accept he, all those. He destroyed the entire world. Right. Eh, yeah, but he can make a donkey talk. I don't know. Somehow flooding the world doesn't sound as ridiculous as a talking donkey. I'm not sure <laughs> why that is. It just it just sounds really mean. But because they don't have highly evolved vocal cords or brain. Or brain that happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, you make a an important point that definitely donkeys don't have the vocal cords to talk or the brain. But luckily we have God to fix that for us. But yeah, if God steps in and gives a donkey like the, you know, the power of speech, then we can assume that deep down the donkey was thinking these things anyway. Which reminds me of Douglas Adams talk about the horse and how the horse is always, you know, having these deep thoughts about the rider, but the rider totally doesn't think about the horse. So what of this horse then that actually held opinions and was skeptical about things? Unusual behaviour for a horse, wasn't it? An unusual horse, perhaps? No. Although it was certainly a handsome and well-built example of its species. It was nonetheless a perfectly ordinary horse, such as convergent evolution has produced in many of the places that life is to be found. They have always understood a great deal more than they let on. It is difficult to be sat on all day, every day, by some other creature without forming an opinion about them. On the other hand, it is perfectly possible to sit all day, every day, on top of another creature and not have the slightest thought about them whatsoever. Makes me wonder if there's a, a biblical case for veganism here. Deep down, these animals are, are really... Having very sophisticated thoughts about you, you probably shouldn't eat them. Well, then right. God should have made them taste so good. Yeah, I know. That's well, that's true of humans too, though. <laughs> Tastes like pork. So I've been told. We'll get to that in a later part of the Bible, though. <laughs> I promise there will be cannibalism. Wonderful. Moving on. Is there anything else about Balaam that Balaam and his talking donkey that needs to be addressed, or? Uh, no, not about the talking donkey. Although Balaam comes up later on. Later on in the book, well, well, we'll get to that. Indeed. So I was going to step back a little ways. I'd forgotten uh, chapter 14, starting in verse uh, 13, when Moses changes God's mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that that happens a couple of times. Uh, you can't kill all these people because then the Egyptians are here about it and be like, well, God's kind of a dick. He killed all his own people. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the same thing that that's the same argument he used before in the in the the last book. Uh, Moses used that same argument. Yeah. What will the neighbors think? <laughs> yeah. What will the neighbors right. think? <laughs> what will the neighbors think when God when they find out that God smites his people in the wilderness? I, I actually, when I read that in chapter fourteen, I, I tweeted again. This is the second time that uh, the Egyptians' opinion of God has been used as a bargaining chip. <laughs> totally. Hey, if they didn't believe after he killed a bunch of their livestock and people. They're not gonna. They're not gonna believe when he kills all the people. <laughs> no, that's the thing. They did believe. They believed that the God of the Hebrews was very powerful, and you don't want to ruin that reputation by just killing all the Israelites too. And they'll be like, "Oh, well." Turns out he's just kind of uh, right. Can't he just kills everything? He can't help. So, it. so God's kind of short-sighted. Yeah, well, more short-sighted than Moses, apparently. Right. There, there's an interesting tension, I think, throughout both of these books where. Moses gets pissed, and God's like, no, and God gets pissed, and Moses is like, no, like, <laughs> maybe, maybe this is the playing out of, of Jacob 
uh, wrestling with God. Maybe that was somewhat prophetic. And right, now... right. They're living up to that name, Israel. Right. Yeah, they wrestle it's, with God. No, no, it's verses like these that show more of the roots of the Jewish religion to where it was obvious they didn't think their God was all-powerful and all-knowing. Because he was at least human, human-like human enough that he could, his mind could be changed. Right, which I, I, I've got to take this opportunity to bitch about uh, our Yale professor, Paul. Oh. <laughs> uh, who seems to think that the Hebrew gods in this category are all to himself. He's totally different than those pagan gods. Bullshit. Right. He's completely different from the New Testament God. Well, I'll give you that. At least the New Testament Christian view of God. But she talks about how the pagan gods, they're petty. They argue among themselves. They're short-sighted, you know. But, Has I mean, you read the Bible? That, that's my point. <laughs> She's a professor <laughs> of divinity. She should know better. Yikes. Yeah, she should know that Yahweh is just typical God from a pantheon. I think she's she's bought into this this idea of uh, Hebrew exceptionalism. Yeah. And I'm not sure why, given her academic position, that she would do that. You know what I'm yeah. talking about, Paul. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she does that. Because she may, there, there's a whole at the beginning of the series of lectures, the whole uh, fleshing out of the idea that perhaps uh, the idea that monotheism developed out of polytheism and she kind of gives a, a representation of the argument that that's not entirely true because in polytheism you have this mythology where gods have, you know, these, these fickle motives and right. these, uh, you know, they're, they're swayed by all of this stuff and they destroy right. people because they're too loud. And then God comes along. Right. But then the Hebrew God's totally right. different than that. Then, then the Hebrew God comes along and, and, you know, the, this is completely different. Like, he has no mythology. He just always was. And he has this unchanging character. And Yeah, right. His character is so similar to the other Sumerian and Babylonian and Assyrian gods. That, that's what I'm reading. That's what I'm saying yeah. here. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, Professor Hayes is, you know, she's great and all, but I think she definitely missed the boat on that one. Uh, all right, where are we at? We have the, the heresy of pure. Uh, I think that... Uh, how do you say it? Phineas? Yeah, yeah, Phineas, yeah. I, I think Phineas is actually before that. 25, yeah. Yeah, this is a, this is a great story. Um, we, well, let's talk about the heresy of Peor first, right? That's Okay, yeah. Where these, these Moabites, these terrible, terrible Moabites, they lead the Israel, Israelites astray by... Uh, Those are the Midianites. Yeah, they do too, but... Oh, oh yes, there we go. I bet. The, Mo- the Moabites, and this brings in Balaam again. Uh, through the council of Balaam, the Moabites, they get they get the Israelites to trespass against the Lord. Uh, they whored with them. They were whoring. They were whoring after false gods. They right? went to whoring. They went to whoring. Uh, once again, the daughters of Israel uh, went a whoring. Actually, it was the sons of Israel went a whoring. I'm sorry. Committed whoredom. Right. So once again, we have this, uh, this mixture of uh, slut-shaming and... Um, and uh, anti-idolatry. They kind of mix those two together in the Bible. It's hard to tell one apart. Hard to tell them apart, since uh, idolatry and it, pr- promiscuity is such a central metaphor for idolatry in this book. Speaking of promiscuity, uh, they they managed to mix all that together in a single story here in in Numbers. Uh, it, uh, Numbers twenty-five, where uh, where uh, they bring this this attractive Midianite woman into uh, into a tent. Somebody brings an attractive Midianite woman back to his tent, presumably for the sake of coitus. And Phinehas 
is so offended by this that in a fit of holy zeal, he grabs a spear and runs them both through. Which Makes is perfect just wonderful. Sense. Yeah, which to yep. me sounds like a double homicide, but to God, it it's sounds great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To God, so, like, it stops his plague after 24,000 people died. Right, which, yeah, I forgot to mention that there was a plague on, on account of the uh, whoring. God had decided to smite the people with a plague to show well, them. It's, then it's good they had 600,000 people. Here. Yeah. He started I'm, killing 20,000 of them. This is why there's so many numbers in this book, just to put things in perspective. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely needed a, uh, a, a good amount, I, I guess, of starting Israelites. Right. Uh, in this. <laughs> because there. so many of them get killed off by God's plagues. There's going so to be plagues. There had to be some left. So I, I thought that was a fantastic story. It's just, um, and it's one that almost never comes, it's almost never preached. Yeah, because um, it's awful. It, it is really bad. Although I did I did see it preached once in, um, what are those people called that like to murder abortion doctors? There's uh, one of those. Uh, like, Christians? No, no, like the really hardcore <laughs> uh, Christians that like to murder abortion doctors. They were talking about how we need the zeal of Phineas in our movement. So it's, it's good to know that if you want to murder people, there is a biblical anecdote for that. You know, <laughs> I want to go kill an abortion doctor. I have my biblical hero to look forward to. You know, but if look the up to mom me. and the baby both die, isn't that a double homicide? So God likes that? Right. You run them both through, through a, with a spear. Oh. That's not what abortionists do. Um, what happened to vengeance is mine, say it. Well, I guess maybe it's not technically vengeance. That would be a bad. It, it looks but, like but it about, looks pretty vengeance. To, it looks like vengeance to me. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess you're right. They hadn't personally wronged Phineas. Right. That that would be my point. That Phineas wasn't actually trying to to venge any sort of wrongdoing toward him. Um. But still, like, let let the blameless among you cast the first stone. Like, I don't know. That does sound like a very different guy, doesn't it? Yeah, very different. Yeah, well, he didn't say hurl the first spear. That's a totally different thing. <laughs> yeah, because he's totally rewarded. Like, oh yeah, it was a great thing that you did. Stayed the plague. So, excuse me, if you want to murder doctors who, who murder babies in your view, uh, there is a biblical hero for you here in, in Numbers 25. All right, let's move along. Let's move oh, along. Look at Numbers. Earlier in the book, Joshua and Caleb, when they spy on stuff. That was uh, chapter 13. Yeah, you keep jumping us all the way back. Sorry. Yeah, I totally well, skimmed that one because I, I, I've heard that. Skip so all those names. Yeah. We skipped all, right. all the way to Balaam, which is like halfway through the book. Yeah, well, chapter I, 13 is one of the few, few bits of this book I remember actually being preached a right, lot. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That That's why I kind of skimmed it because I was like, oh, yeah, I know this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joshua and Caleb are such amazing men. Yeah, they scout out <laughs> the land. and There's giants in the land, the Nephilim. Apparently they're like chariots of iron. Yeah, that, that's later. We'll get to the Chariots of Iron. That's in Judges, right? We'll get to the Chariots of Iron. We'll there are people that are really obsessed with those, those giants in this book. And they think there's somewhere that they, we can find these giants somewhere. Oh, there are actual like, archaeologists looking for biblical giants? I don't know if there's archaeologists. I mean, no, not know. like professional archaeologists, but like... Right, right, yeah, okay, yeah, biblical archaeologists. Like, like, archaeologists. like, more, like Mormon archaeologists aren't really <laughs> yeah, archaeologists. That's exactly. an oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> It is, yeah. Okay, this is my advice to people. If you're going to read just one chapter from the Bible, read chapter 31. <laughs> oh, <can't> wow. <laughs> from, 
it's my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Because if you want to really get a sense of uh, who the who the Hebrew God is, you know, you could read about the flood of the entire world and stuff. But but this really kind of gets it down to the super petty level of of you know this tribal kind of deity who sides with one tribe against other tribes and really really approves of genocide. Strongly approves of genocide. So he loves it. Yeah, he's the whole. They were mean to me. Go kill them. Take their women and their stuff. <laughs> well, no, don't don't take their women. Don't take their women that are full grown women that are married or that have been with a have, man that have known man by lying with him. Don't don't take their women. Take their girls, the ones that are Between. virgins, or as as the King James says, all the women children that have not known a man by lying with him. Keep alive for yourselves. Ooh. In fact, if you're going to read just one verse in the Bible, read chapter 31 of Numbers, verse 18. And if you can explain that in terms of a holy, loving deity, then you can convert me to your religion. But if you can't, then I will... Because sexual slavery is kosher. Well, yeah, we did see sexual slavery earlier on in... uh, Was that Exodus? Uh, uh, Would it also be sexual slavery? What? This is technically still sexual slavery. I mean, they're taking them just to um, rape them, basically. Right, but they're, I'm sure they'll call it marriage. Don't you think? But rape leads to marriage in the Bible. Right, good point, good point. So they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna kidnap these these young virgin girls, and they're going to keep them as as sex slaves or wives or both. I guess uh, I guess when your when your wives are so subjugated to their husbands that they basically have to follow all their husbands' orders. It's hard to tell the difference between a slave and a wife. It's true. It's not like they had women's lib back then. It's very fitting that, you know, and the children of Israel took all the women of Midian captives and the little ones and took the spoil of all their cattle. You know, it just shows that women and cattle and flocks and all their goods are all in one paragraph. They all mean the same. They're just things to have. They're all property that you can yeah, take and The use. spoils of war. Right. Um, possibly my favorite line out of Moses' mouth in the entire Bible is, have you saved the women alive? <laughs> what? Why'd you leave the the women alive? They're, they're the ones that got you whoring with the Baal Peor. You know, they're the ones that brought that plague yeah, down on you. Of them. Yeah, so, once again, uh, just like in the case of Eve, and, uh, and is a running theme... We're blaming women for sin. It's like a thing that the Bible does. It blames women for sin. So it shouldn't come as a huge surprise that some of the uh, the greatest feminists of the 19th century were also free thinkers. Way ahead of their time, I might add. They took 16,000 people captive, according to verse 40. Oh, that's just that the virgins? Difficult. It just says 16,000. And the persons were 16,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 30 and two persons. So the Levites got to have uh, 32 versions just for themselves? It seems it seems small. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They didn't even tithe the people. Let me see. 2,000 people in all. And uh, those are all the virgins. That's in verse 35. 30 and 2,000 persons. So, uh, 30, yeah, 32,000. No, no, it's 2,000 plus 30, isn't it? Somebody pull up the NIV. <laughs> God, I hate to say yeah, that out loud. 35, <laughs> okay, got it. Um, 32,000. 32,000, really? Yeah. I also enjoy in verse 32, they call it booty. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the pirate definition of the Bible. Well, but, I mean, not only did they get the booty in that sense, but they also got the booty in the other modern... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the Urban Dictionary sense of the term, they brought home the booty. 
But some of the booty was like, you know, 10 years old and they had to wait a little bit on it. <laughs> back, back then, I guess, two years. How did that marinate? Oh, and then actually later in, where is it? Oh, verse 47 said, of the children of Israel's half, Moses took one portion of 50 and gave it to the Levites. So it's, the Bible seems confused on how much people got of stuff. Yeah. I just want people to read through this whole chapter. Just, uh, you know, come to think of it, I'm going to, I'm going to quote a decent portion of it in the podcast. So never mind. Chapter 31. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Avenge the children of Israel of the Midianites. Afterward shalt thou be gathered unto thy people. And Moses spake unto the people, saying, Arm some of yourselves unto the war, and let them go against the Midianites, and avenge the Lord of Midian. Of every tribe a thousand throughout all the tribes of Israel shall ye send to the war. So there were delivered out of the thousands of Israel a thousand of every tribe, twelve thousand armed for war. And Moses sent them to the war, a thousand of every tribe, them, and Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, to the war, with the holy instruments, and the trumpets to blow in his hand. And they warred against the Midianites, as the Lord commanded Moses, and they slew all the males. And they slew the kings of Midian, beside the rest of them that were slain, namely Evi, and Rechem, and Zur, and Hur, and Reba, five kings of Midian, Balaam, also the son of Beor, they slew with a sword. And the children of Israel took all the women of Midian captives, and their little ones, and took the spoil of all their cattle, and all their flocks, and all their goods. And they burnt all their cities wherein they dwelt, and all their goodly castles with fire. And they took all the spoil, and all the prey, both of men and of beasts. And they brought the captives, and the prey, and the spoil unto Moses, and Eleazar the priest, and unto the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the camp of the plains of Moab, which are by Jordan near Jericho. And Moses and Eleazar the priest, and all the princes of the congregation went forth to meet them without the camp. And Moses was wroth with the officers of the host, with the captains over thousands, and captains over hundreds, which came from the battle. And Moses said unto them, Have ye saved all the women alive? Behold, these caused the children of Israel, through the counsel of Balaam, to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones, and kill every woman that hath known man by lying with him. But all the women children that have not known a man by lying with him, keep alive for yourselves. Just, just the idea that the Lord heartily approves of going in, killing everyone. Loves genocide and sexual slavery. Yeah, and, and the people you don't kill, you keep to rape. I mean, it's like the freaking Reavers. So, the, yeah. more, the more and more I read this, the more I can't believe I was actually taught this shit when I was a kid. Well, it's I mean, scary. I, I think How this is why they messed up. I think this is why they don't teach numbers. They don't preach numbers because. Oh, my church did. For real, <laughs> they taught you this stuff. And... <laughs> we went through lots of Old Testament, lots of messed up genocide stories. That's got to be fun trying to explain to the fourth grade Sunday school, like you know, excuse me, no, teacher, also... what's a virgin? <laughs> teacher, what's a virgin? Oh well. A virgin, someone who's never had sex. What sex? It's God's most prized possession. Yeah, and God loves those. God's like a horny Japanese man. <laughs> Tentacle rape. <laughs> With a really big nose. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna be able to draw a picture of him by the time this is over. Does that diagram of God have a really, really tiny penis since he's so so concerned with sex? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. We don't have. Like, if he doesn't want anyone else to have it, maybe it's because he can't. It, uh, it does say uh, in Psalm 23 that his rod and his staff will comfort you. 
know. <laughs> that verse just took on a whole new meaning for me. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> it's my new favorite verse in the Bible. Uh, oh. Okay, so Paul, what else? We, what else we got to cover in here? I know that there's some stuff we didn't talk about. It looks like most of it we, most of the stuff from our little document, our short little document. All the fun know. stuff. Yeah, all the enjoyable stuff. Um, I thought uh, on on a more positive note in chapters. 27, uh, the whole thing about inheritance going to the daughters. Oh, yeah! I thought that was kind of nice. Like, I don't know. It wasn't bad. Right, right. It was uh, The daughters had some autonomy, and they gave the land to them. Uh, it then went on later on, uh, I believe it's like in chapter 34 or 35, where uh, they're talking about the land getting passed down and, and laying out the boundaries of the land where it says they have to marry like their father's uncle or something like that. So it stays in their tribe. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty bizarre. But the whole concept of giving the land to the women uh, as the inheritance was, uh, I thought was, was pretty good, especially for the time period. What? It's I, the one progressive chapter in the entire book. Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. Although the, I, it seems like the idea is to keep the property in the tribe. That's they're they're letting the daughters right, have an right. inheritance, but then they have to marry within the tribe afterwards. Right. That that was my like. It, it's interesting that they're separated that way because when I first read it in chapter twenty-seven, I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." And then you read later on, and you're like, "Oh, well, hmm, that's not not as cool, I guess." <laughs> did you guys? Uh, it was still something, right? Did you guys notice? Yeah. Uh, I'm changing the subject a little bit. Back to uh, Balaam, uh, Balaam, and Balak. That uh, every time they were gonna do have him do a curse, they would sacrifice a whole bunch of bulls, like seven bulls and seven rams, on a high place, and then then they'd have him try to pronounce the curse. So they do a whole bunch of sacrifices and then say, "Okay, now do your magic, do your prophecy." And that yeah, and that Peor was one of those high places. So. Like Baal Peor is like this, you know, this one particular high place associated with one of the Baals. So it's like a local cult of Chemosh or something. I don't know. It's just it's fascinating how how the I don't know. They're always striving against the other tribes' gods. Yeah, that's what that's like a, a, a big running theme in the last few books. How does the Hebrew god match up to these uh, other gods? You know, in Exodus he kicks the ass of the Egyptian gods. And now here he's he's going through kicking the asses of the various Canaanite deities, including the the god of Baal Peor. I think for me it was more interesting how similar uh, the ritual of trying to summon a curse from Baal was to how they tried to atone for sins to Elohim. I don't know. To me it just seemed kind of like it was the same thing. It was like here's a bull, here's a thing. Let's sacrifice it in a high place. Everything's gonna be good. And then we'll get our, our nasty prophecy or whatever. It just seemed very reflective, I don't know, maybe the word, of what the Israelites were doing. They just had a, a different, it was Baal instead of El, or God, I guess. That was what I noticed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. El, El doesn't appear a whole lot in the Bible until now, until this book. I mean, El standing alone, not like Elohim, but just El by itself. They're describing right. uh Balaam as the prophet of El. 
right? Well, that's part of why it's so ambiguous. Is Balaam a prophet of the Lord, or is Balaam a prophet of the Moabite gods? It's hard to tell, because El is, is this ambiguous earlier god name that predates the god names that are current in the Hebrew lexicon. So you can't right. tell, you know, right. is, is Balaam... Like, like you said, Jason, it's like Melchizedek. It's like going back to this older tradition. You can't yeah. tell what's going on with that. So that, that, true, true. that there was some fascinating ambiguity there for those who care to look really closely. Indeed. Well, in, in sort of the same vein as far as uh, El, I mean, being the you know head god of the pantheon of gods from that region, um, did anybody else notice in 16, I think it was verse 32, the earth was referenced as with, with a, a, as she again. I thought that was kind of odd. Which, by the way, that's actually an interesting story where, where the earth swallows up the, the couple. Whoa, where was that? In Numbers 16. Probably. Oh, oh number 16, the, the rebellion of Korah. That was another thing that was, it was unclear kind of what was going on there. Yeah, yeah. I, I noted that actually it was what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Maybe they had strange fire. We don't we don't know. <laughs> or is it? It's sixteen, isn't it? Yeah, sixteen or seventeen or around in that area. Yeah, the the the, the heresy here apparently is that um, they're egalitarian. You know, they they come saying the whole community is holy, not just you know Moses. Right. Sounds I, like strange fire to me. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that the the earth, which was um, referenced as a she in the King James Version, which I thought was interesting. Uh, swallowed them up, which was... And, and their tents and all of their kids and everything else, which was pretty crappy. But yeah, again with but, punishing the kids. Again, right. punishing everyone. They, um, the, the earth even swallowed the virgin children here. They didn't even spit them out for, you know, keep for yourselves. Oh. What? Killing the virgin kids? I know, right? I mean, <laughs> you're supposed to at least keep the virgin girls for yourselves. I thought that was like a rule. Sorry, I'm yeah. trying to find the exact... Just the Virgin Boys are competition. Okay. It's in, uh, yeah, 1632, where the Earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and you know everything else, all, all that appertaineth to them. And they all went down alive into the pit and the Earth closed upon them and they perished among the congregation. But then in verse 35, once again, the men with the incense get burned alive. Right. Just like just like uh, Aaron's sons. Right. Which, there um, came out a, a a fire from the Lord that consumed 250 men that offered incense. But so anyways, yeah. uh, mainly just the point that I wanted to make was was uh, that this is a, the second time that I recall that that it has been referenced as as a she, which I thought was interesting, kind of reminiscent, I guess, of the gods of the time period. The Earth is referred to as a she. Yeah, yeah, that is reminiscent of the mother goddesses. Um, and that was, did you check and see if the Hebrew word the was, nurture. was? Yeah, did, Paul, did you check and see if the Hebrew there was a female? I actually haven't. Now that you said that, yeah. you just going off the King James, dude. I know. I I, I never should have done that. <laughs> I I would just like so, to point out so there were females in the Jewish pantheon. Uh, yeah. Was, was Asherah um. A consort female, yeah. Was it El? Was it El or uh, Yahweh? No, it's El. Oh, oh, that's a good point. Well, Ashura is not mentioned as a consort in the Bible. It's it's an mm. earlier like Babylonian literature. Um, but anyway, I'd like to point out that that in in this rebellion, just as in uh, the strange fire incident, 
the the Lord uh, God burns people alive, the, the people with the incense. So the lesson here is, um, if you're Catholic, be sure you buy the right brand of incense. Um, but it doesn't tell you which incense they were, so it's not like it's helping you. No, it doesn't say. But um, just go with you know whatever. If they haven't been so burned just use alive, frankincense, right? Yeah, just use whatever the priest that hasn't been burned alive is using. <laughs> if you use the wrong incense, the Lord might swallow you up with fire, which would suck. Did you notice that Aaron was commanded not to weep, not to mourn his sons? Yeah, that's kind of harsh. Nah. Eh. They had it coming. They were He's offering. They were offering strange fire. <laughs> if ever I uh, decide to be an owner-operator of a gay bar, I'm going, to, I'm going to name it Strange Fire. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, someday, when I get the capital. Um, or lie with I, I look with up, By the way, I was going to say in Numbers 32, I looked it up, and Earth... Uh, is H776, which is a feminine noun. Uh, but what's interesting here is the mouth is actually a masculine noun. So I guess that's kind of ambiguous. So, oh, the earth opened up her... Yeah, the earth, who is a she, opened up her mouth, which is masculine. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert in, in Hebrew... Uh, this is kind of off topic, but if you, do you know any romance languages, Paul? Uh, no. Well, when you learn those, you notice that gender isn't closely tied to anything that makes any sort of sense. That's true. I was going to say, I, no. I at one yeah. point was, was relatively fluent in Spanish. It, it has since uh, ebbed. But yeah. well, you just have to kind of learn, like, you know, car is male. Right. You know, like, and it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> La noche. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Um, like, the night, the night is female. What does that mean? Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really more of a method for, for verb tenses or something. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, that that's a very valid point that it could have been. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not I'm not an ex. I, I don't know very much about the Hebrew language, so uh, that there's no telling. I do think it's interesting that the King James version translated it as she, though. Uh, well, yeah, it's one of those cases where the King James is in a way more straightforward than the the later more. I don't know. I find that the, when it comes to, to things that are potentially embarrassing, like the multiplicity of gods or the plurality of gods or the gender of gods, the King James is more straightforward than like the NIV and these other versions to try to soften things up. Right. Possibly because nowadays unbelief is an option. Back right. then, not so much. 1611, not a good year for unbelief. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think that's... You guys got any other stories you want to... Oh, Numbers 11.1. Okay, Numbers 11.1. Very important. When the Lord, when the people complained, it did... Jazz, you're using a real book, aren't you? I can tell. I am, yes, sir. <laughs> okay, here we go, here we go. Sorry. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the utmost parts of the camp. In so the that's, there's at least camp. there's at least three so, occasions in this book where the Lord just up and burns people with fire. I, I'm not really that worried about that. What I'm worried about is don't oh, it, it, okay, it, it, suburbs. Okay, <laughs> suburbs are not cool with God because you will totally burn your ass off. Like that. That's totally what I get <laughs> this verse. Don't live don't, utter, in the uttermost parts of the camp. Not good. Huh? Did it say what? Like, ah. Uh. 
you think maybe like what actually happened is there was a brush fire and it really did kill some people and they just sort of said, well, we must have pissed off God. <laughs> that could have been. Uh, I, I mean, just thought that was a really odd. Or I mean, obviously the Lord gets mad and, and burns people. Like I'm kind of desensitized to that at this point. But yeah. I thought it was interesting that it was specifically the people in, in the suburbs. And I was like, I got to move back to the city, man. This is. I was surprised to find out that suburb that the word suburb is over 400 years old. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty interesting too. I'd always kind of, I'd always kind of assumed that that suburb was a, like a modern way of living that it just didn't exist until the 20th century. Yeah, but be, but it, in, I was gonna say it'd be interesting to understand or to look at what it actually meant in context in context of 1611 uh, English language. <laughs> Well, yeah, because it's in, in, in number 30, it's number 35, uh, you know, the cities that they have to dwell in and the suburbs of them, you know, uh, they they have suburbs. Uh, the, the word suburb shows up several times in chapter 35. Uh, and I was like, whoa, they had suburbs back then? Like, right. Cool. Uh, but apparently they weren't like bedroom communities like Edmund, more like, you know, Slaughterville. crazy. <laughs> uh, I think when they're dividing their land and everything, they designate part of the suburbs to the cattle. So it could have just been like where they keep their herds and stuff like that. Right. So when you think suburbs, think north of Waterloo. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The Oklahoma Atheist Godcast is produced by the Oklahoma Atheists. The mission of the Oklahoma Atheists is to develop a community of individuals and families who value and promote critical thinking, free thought, reason, and a scientific worldview, and who seek to have a positive effect on the community at large through fellowship, rational discussion, community service, and education. For more information, please visit our website at www. OklahomaAtheist.com. The music for today's show is from the song God is Dead by Jaron Lake and is reproduced here under a Creative Commons license. Jared's music in the Oklahoma Atheist Godcast are hosted courtesy of the Internet Archives Community Audio Collection, available at www.archive.org. To join discussion about the ideas presented presented in today's show, please visit our blog at blog.oklahomaatheists.com.